0: Today's scripture reading is from Isaiah, chapter 40. Please listen for the word of God. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. Where the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift your voice with strength, Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up and do not fear. The city of Judah says, here is your God. The Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them and gently lead the mother. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, marked off the heavens, enclosed the dust of the earth, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Whom did he consult for enlightenment? Who taught him the path of justice? who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding. Even the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. To whom then will you liken God? An idol? A workman casts that and a goldsmith overlays it with gold. It is a gift for one who chooses mulberry wood, wood that will not rot, and then seeks out a skilled artisan to set up an image that will not topple. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is God who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretch out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as naught. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off. To whom then will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes. See who created this world, who created and brings out their hosts and numbers them and calls them all by name. Because God is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weary and strength to the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles, they will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Something happened. Something happened halfway between Isaiah 39 and Isaiah 40. Scholars refer to Isaiah as a mini Bible because there are 66 chapters in Isaiah and there are pop quiz how many books in the Bible? I just told you. 66, yes. And, this is also weird, there are 39 books in the Old Testament, there are 39 chapters in Isaiah, before there's the 40th chapter of Isaiah, then there are 26, did I do that math right? 26 chapters in the second half of Isaiah, 26 books in the New Testament. Weird, right? Scholars have long talked about Isaiah as being divided in two. Something happens between Isaiah 39 and Isaiah 40. We don't know what it is, because Isaiah is not so helpful as to begin Isaiah 40 by saying, and by the way, here's all the things that have happened to us in the last well, however long it's been, right? That would be super helpful. Isaiah spends the first 39 chapters of, the bio, of his book saying, woe to you. Woe to you, people who do these terrible things. All oh, woe to you. You deserve the punishment that's about to happen to you. And then all of a sudden, from chapter 39, where Isaiah is saying, you deserve whatever's coming to you, we get chapter 40, where Isaiah says, peace, comfort. Something happens between Isaiah 39 and 40. The people of Israel have suffered a great loss, a great trauma, a great event that was life changing. It literally changed their lives. We have long said, we have long believed that the thing that happened between 39 and 40 is the exile into Babylon. Now the people find themselves in a new land, in a strange land. They are servants or slaves to the people in power. They have gotten what they deserved. But they are not abandoned or alone there. And whether or not you believe that the exile is a just punishment for the way Israel was treating God or not, the truth is that life-changing events happen all the time. In small ways and in big ways, our lives change, often without us being aware that they are about to do so. Life-changing events happen quickly and slowly. They happen knowingly and without our knowledge. But the truth is that life is about change. We are not who we are yesterday and we are not who we will yet be tomorrow. And the truth of it is that time marches on. Isaiah speaks to a people who do not yet know how to respond. They don't know who they are yet in this place that they don't know where their spoons are supposed to go. Which drawer makes the most sense for their dish rags? They are a people who are without a home. They do not yet know what has happened to them. They do not yet know what they will be, but they know that life is not what it used to be. Comfort my people. God commands that to to tell Isaiah to tell the Israelites. The command of God in this passage is very clear. We are designed and meant to comfort one another. I know you've gone through this life-changing event, and your job now, people of God, is to comfort my people. Isaiah responds to this um, with a very um, honest statement. What am I supposed to say? I hear I'm supposed to comfort my people. I am here. that I'm supposed to comfort your people. But I don't know what to say. I was really good at the part where you told me to tell them that they were terrible people. I was good at that. But I don't have the words of comfort that I want or that you seem to want me to have. I mean, I know that people are like grass that the grass withers and the flower fades. That doesn't seem to be comforting to my people, to your people. And God responds by saying, don't you already know Haven't you already heard that I am the everlasting God? That though things in this world are temporary, though things in this world change, though the grass withers and the flowers fade, I'm the one who put them there in the first place. I was there at the beginning of time when the mountains came up from the valleys and I will be there when the valleys are no longer in existence. I am the everlasting God and my arm is mighty and my presence is strong, and the words of comfort that you are to speak is to remind yourself that though things in this world seem temporary and ephemeral and have no permanence, I do. I am the everlasting God. Now it's true that there's no right way to feel. There is no right way to respond to grief. One of the first things I do when I meet with families after a loved one has died is to say, grief is not whatever somebody has told you it is. There is no right way to do this. There is no five-step program for you to deal with this. The truth is that grief is what it is and that it changes over time. And it withers and it fades. But there's no right way to do it. They tell you that there are the five stages of grief that you're going to experience, you know, the anger, the bargaining, the depression, the denial, the acceptance, and those are all true, but what's also true is that looks different for everybody. That looks different for everybody. Some people jump right into that one stage and live in it for the rest of their lives. And some people cycle through it so fast and you're like, I didn't even realize they'd lost anyone. We all experience it in different ways and there's no right way to do it. Except to acknowledge that that's what's happening. Except to say that I realize that this is part of my journey in this process that I feel angry today. I feel angry about how this happened. I feel angry that it happened at all. I feel guilt. I feel burdened. I feel whatever I feel in this moment. And the truth is that like all other things, those feelings are temporary too. I had a really good friend whose name was Zelie. His name was Zelly Ernest, which is the greatest name I think ever known to man. He looked like Santa Claus and acted like Santa Claus the first day that I was at the church. Zelly was the first person to come up and introduce himself to me. He came up and he said, hi, my name's Zelly. I'm going to be your best friend at this church. And if you've been a pastor for very long, the first thing you learn is that if somebody comes up to you and says, I'm going to be your best friend at this church, that you walk the other direction. But he was. Except for Zelli was so overcome and overwhelmed by grief that he never acknowledged. That you never really knew which zelli you were gonna get. His wife died of cancer and then shortly thereafter his um, son died in an airplane accident. And it was terrible, awful, just awful grief that he experienced. And yet Zelie was so convinced that he had to be happy for everybody else that he never acknowledged the depth of his grief. There was no comfort you could offer him because he lived his life in denial that he was experiencing pain at all. He loved bluebirds and he would paint bluebird houses and put them up randomly all over the town. And so Kingsport, Tennessee is known as Bluebird USA because there's so many birdhouses. Because he channeled his grief into birdhouse making. He also made me a, ch- a communion chalice that I keep in my office. And that was how Zelly dealt with his grief, making birdhouses. And that's okay because there's no rule about how you're supposed to deal with grief. There's no rule in how you have to feel about it. When my grandfather died, I was happy because he'd had dementia for so long and he'd stopped being who he was. He stopped being my grandfather years before. And I felt at peace because he was no longer in pain. And that was okay too. And so when God tells us to comfort people, the worst thing we can do is tell them how they're supposed to be feeling. The worst thing that we can do is to tell them anything at all. I wonder if you've ever been on the other side of well-meaning lines of comfort. Like you've lost somebody and somebody comes up to you and says, God must have just needed another angel. Or... um, God just wanted them to come home, right? And those are well-meaning words of comfort, but man, are those like the worst thing that you could say to a person at the time, right? Because what does it tell them? That their grief is invalid. Whatever they're feeling is not important because God needed this person more than you did. The best thing that we can do is listen. The best thing we can do is to be there in presence with the person who is experiencing whatever it is that they're experiencing. The best thing that we can do is to offer a hug or space or the church is at its best when it listens. The church is at its best when it is able to offer the comfort that people need, Note that I said, not be comfortable, but to offer comfort. And so what I challenge you to do today is to acknowledge whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that's in your heart that you need to share with someone, a friend, a family member, whatever it is that you're carrying around with you that you need to say out loud to someone who can listen to you, And I encourage you, Church of God, to be ears and arms of comfort. And to maybe for that moment, just listen. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of the Lord, which is love, lasts forever. Comfort my people. Amen.